friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name, Hayden Winks. Hayden, what week? This is actually one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. You know, we've seen these practice footages being passed along in training camp on Twitter. But now, coming up in just a few days, every single team is going to touch the field. And let's try to get ahead of the curve a little bit and get the actual info from you, Hayden, on what's been happening the last few days of camp. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. This might be the most important week for news because yep. this is like the first week where we actually get depth charts, like not from the team interns, but like on the field, practice reports, who's the number one, who's the number two. And a couple of players will change over preseason based off of performance, but a lot of them will be stuck on this week. So you have like this kind of like two, three week buffer where if you're really grinding the news and j- joining Puppy 2 or Best Ball Mania 2, you actually have an advantage. You don't have to see them through the preseason games. We love the preseason, but some of these training camp reports are big, big, big news. For everyone new out there, one, welcome. We appreciate you. Two, you need to go and sign up for Underdog. You get a free 25 bucks. We know that your fantasy football drafted towards the end of the summer, but guess what? Fantasy season starts right now. There's no better way to prepare than to do some best ball mania drafts. And to prepare you for those, we have a free draft guide, which is linked down below in the description and probably the pinned comment as well. So go and check that out. You get a free 25 bucks just by clicking on that. So go and find the promo code, the show on there. All right, Hayden, I know in Underblog, you have another column. We're going to do these every single Monday. This show, every single Monday, again, the key, the vital, the crucial nuggets from training camp practices, coach speak, performances, Training camp reports as well, and we'll go quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Let's start off here at the quarterback position. Kyle Shanahan tells reporters that Trey Lance, quote, will play situationally this year. Hayden, we've talked about it. We'll talk about it later on this week. There is no such thing as a competition when a player is selected number three overall because the previous quarterback, Jimmy G, in this case, has already been replaced in his head coaches in the play caller's mind. It's not a competition, Hayden. It's inevitable. And I think we're kind of seeing it, you know, perk up a little bit more and more as we approach the regular season. At the very minimum, Trey Lance is going to be playing in week one as a situational runner. And that's where the practice reports are coming in. He's being sprinkled in with the first team offense when they're running QB power or zone read stuff, the stuff that Jimmy G can't run. And the reason why they drafted Trey Lance was because Jimmy G can't run those. So I'm not convinced that Trey Lance is going to be the week one starter. It is certainly possible, though. Trey Lance has been balling out in camp. And I think for us, for fantasy purposes, we'll talk about this on Monday. I have him, or on Wednesday, I have Trey Lance ranked really high in fantasy because the position is pretty replaceable. And you want to just shoot for upside in some of these scenarios. And if Trey Lance is starting, he's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback because his rushing ability, because how awesome the 49ers offense is. I'm not even convinced that Trey Lance is going to be out there even within the first six weeks, but it doesn't really matter to me. I'll draft Trey Lance. I can draft a QB two if I need to and just play the upside game. So it's two totally different discussions. I'm not so confident that Trey Lance is going to be the week one starter, but I don't really care for fantasy. Bunch of things to hit on there in the bold prediction show that we recorded last week. Go and subscribe to the channel. Check it out in the channel down below. Um, I truly believe that Trey Lance is going to start all 17 games. I really do. And I don't care necessarily what these beat writers on the sidelines are saying about how good a certain throws are for here and there. What I care about is his success, what they're doing differently with him. Because again, that means Kyle is already shifting his brain towards Trey and only having certain elements of the playbook in there for him. 
And namely, Hayden, it's been inside the 20, inside the 10 in those crucial situations. And so much of it seems to be that quarterback action, you know, an element of the game that he brings to the table that Jimmy doesn't. And again, the more and more we hear about that, that is something that only he can do on, on that roster. And again, Hayden mentioned it. I want to bring it up. On Wednesday, we're doing our quarterback ranking show, and there's a major conversation to be had of right now the information that we have. Trey Lance not named the starter. The differences in drafting him in best ball when you can draft two or three players at the position versus season long, and I can't wait to have that conversation on Wednesday. All right, next up, we have Jake Glazer reporting that the Texans haven't been returning trade calls on Deshaun Watson. Today, this morning, Deshaun Watson showed up to practice. He's not really doing much. And it seems like, I think Charles Robinson and a couple other national media reporters are saying that the Texans want to convince Deshaun Watson to stay on the Texans. Now, John McClain and others have said Deshaun Watson is for sure not playing for the Texans. So this is probably just more of a last-ditch effort on Deshaun Watson. You and I both agree it's still highly unlikely that he plays week one. Uh, Maybe a slightly higher chance that he plays in the back half of the season, but Obviously, everything comes down to the legal situation first, and we have no idea when that's going to be resolved. Uh, and I, I don't think nothing's changed really here. Um, I would probably draft him like as the quarterback 28 or something like that, but it's a very small probability that he's going to be out there anytime soon. Yeah, again, want to bring up that there are 22 allegations against Deshaun Watson. None have gotten to the you know criminal charges as of yet. I truly believe nothing has changed here for Watson yet. I did see him kind of in pads today for the first time, but it's weird Hayden, because like the two people that I trust most in this regard is John McClain, who is closest to the Texans, who has been doing it for decades and decades and decades, but also my buddy, Charles Robinson with Yahoo has been all over that. And not just from the Sean Watson, Houston Texans end, but also the Miami dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Carolina Panthers, so on and so forth. I mean, all those teams that I'm mentioning that aren't the Texans, they're looking at Deshaun Watson as, and this is going to sound weird to say, but like a distressed asset and that they might be able to get him on a a cheap way in comparison to what it would have been, you know, a year ago at this time. Well, I'm sure the Texans are thinking of that in the exact same way. And if they just say in their head, we're not getting any compensation that we feel is good enough for you. And your only option is to play for us. I do wonder if this is kind of changing. In their minds, Hayden, or if this has kind of always been the plan since, I don't know, last April with him? I think the two things to watch here is if Deshaun Watson settles his cases, where there's a lot of cases to settle, or if there's actual criminal charges brought up against Deshaun Watson. Because that's the thing that the NFL is looking for to put him on the commissioner's exempt list. Yeah. If neither of those things happen, it's just going to be in limbo, and that's what it is right now. There isn't really a deadline for this until kind of week one. I think that the NFL is okay with Deshaun Watson kind of be – half in, half out at practices, and they're just waiting for the legal stuff to figure out. I think that's what would uh, change his trade status or playing status. And for right now, we can't, we can't even project when that would happen. I truly don't believe he plays a game this year, but that opinion can change like that. You know, if, you know, it can go either direction. It can go to different charges or different ways for it to be filed. And then he immediately gets put on the commissioner's exempt list or a trade happens and then there's a trickle down from there. But I I don't think the league is going to allow a player with this much uncertainty, rightfully so, to, to touch the NFL field for a very, very long time. All right, 
Next up, Hayden. Nick Sirianni refused to call Jalen Hurts the Eagles quarterback one when asked by the media. Um, We've seen this with new head coaches in the past with certain situations of we need you to win it. You know, this is a competition. Uh, you know, this isn't a new storyline. These things repeat themselves year over year. And it kind of seems like Sirianni is of that mindset with the coach that there's competition at every spot. But Hayden, there's always a thought in the back of my head where it just doesn't feel like the Eagles are fully invested in the Jalen Hurts experiment beyond 2021 and maybe even not even that far. Jalen Hurts' ADP the last two weeks has dropped like more than a round. And I think now he's at the point where this is where it makes sense for, for us to be drafting him because he does have this massive ceiling. I just think that there's obviously a very low floor here. And I, I wanted to link these two together because I think the reason why they're not committing to Jalen Hurts is maybe that in the back of the Eagles' mind, there's an opportunity to trade for Deshaun Watson. I think that's the only way. Like Joe Flacco is not beating Jalen Hurts for the week one starting job. Maybe in week 14, if the Eagles are really bad, maybe Joe Flacco gets some starts. But I think the real thing to watch here is just Deshaun Watson, how often he's linked up to the Eagles. So this is not a big story. I think Jalen Hurts' ADP is now totally fine. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, and Trey Lance are being drafted pretty close together, not three or four rounds apart. I think this is appropriate. If now is the time to draft Jalen Hurts by the dip a little bit. I think he's going to start most of the games. I just don't think that his projection is stable across 17 games, but 14 weeks of of Jalen Hurts would be totally fine for for his ADP. Yeah, this show, as we move forward on Mondays during the preseason, is going to be a rankings refresh. Again, we don't want to overreact too much to what's going on, and you know our reactions are mainly going to be the usage and the play of these players once we hit these preseason games. But Hayden and I, for a very long time, have been well past the public in terms of of ranking. Jalen Hurts and, and drafting Jalen Hurts. He's going as the quarterback nine for a very, very long time. And Hayden, to me, we'll talk about this in quarterbacks ranking show on Wednesday. Uh, people were kind of getting some FOMO of missing out on like the, the high upside, high floor, even rushing quarterbacks. But I was never able to rank Hurts despite that skill set above the statuesque quarterback pocket passers that we love. And in Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and a, a few of those names. But I, I think what you said of him settling into this current spot that he's in doesn't make a lot of sense in that quarterback tier. Yeah, I think he belongs next to Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance, not not ahead of them. And if you want to take the take the risk on Jalen Hurts, totally fine with that. There's a lot of ways you can combat that in best ball and in redraft. I think that now he's finally priced appropriately. Next up, Dak Prescott has been missing time and will be out for at least a couple of weeks, Not no longer considered day-to-day due to a lat injury. Uh, Hayden, we talked about this slightly last week. It seems like we've gotten a little more details, and the more details that we have received just keeps pushing his timeline further and further. And I've seen a bunch of screenshots from all of you who play on Underdog that Dak is now dropped dropping about 10, 12 spots beyond his ADP. I think it was around, what, either 54 or 64. Um, Is that fair? Hayden, is this kind of time to be concerned, or is that overreactionary when we're still over a month until week one of the NFL season? I think that's proper reaction. I mean, this – He's out a couple of weeks and it's his show throwing shoulder and his or the lat and it's a baseball injury. And the Cowboys are calling the Texas Rangers to get some more clarity on it. Obviously, there's like putting him on ice. It's not a huge injury to deal with, but you can't re-injure this. And that's why they're gonna take it slow with him. And this isn't that surprising to me. He's coming off a major ankle injury. 
if he's throwing the ball a little bit differently or rushing back, then this is what happens. So I think that he's clearly the quarterback five. Mm-hmm. I'm not drafting him. Uh, I'm not drafting Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Justin Herbert above Dak Prescott, but now for sure, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, give me those guys over Dak Prescott. He's kind of in between those two. Um, you can still stack them with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, um, but I do think that he deserves to be the quarterback five, not no longer the quarterback three. This is one of those situations that I would be much more concerned if it was following preseason week three. I just hope it doesn't last until that time. Uh, but yes, it's absolutely one we're going to track. And uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting time for the Cowboys, Hayden, with Amari Cooper also being uh, not on the field, being sidelined, and then CeeDee Lamb just looking like an absolute baller, and then reports also sizzling up that Michael Gallup isn't expected to return to the roster next year. These are quite a bit of storylines and probably far too many than the Cowboys wanted uh, at this point in the calendar. All right. Ahead of hard knocks. Ahead of hard knocks. We're going to get some, we're gonna get some clarity. This is Hard knocks is going to be lit this year. Oh, that's a good one. All right. Next up. Cam Newton said he won't be, quote, battering Ram like I once was. Hayden, as someone who has been speaking the positive word, spreading it all offseason of Damian Harris, I feel like this has been a key argument against Damian Harris because arguably over the last decade, Cam Newton is the best short yardage running back in the NFL. So one, now we have if Cam is going to be the starter, which I think still is a question for the entire season, then most likely we can expect fewer rushing attempts inside the five-yard line. And then two, another out is if Mac Jones is the starter. So to me, this is just making me want to propel Damian Harris even more into the minds of every one of our listeners and viewers. Damian Harris needs the goal line back to pay off the price tag. And I think you and I are more willing than others to kind of bet on that happening. And I mean, I kind of call BS on this for Cam Newton. Like he needs to be the pattering Ram. Like I'm sorry, but if you're going to be, if Mac Jones is going to be the starter and Cam Newton's going to play a couple snaps per game, it's because you're the battering Ram. And that's like the goal line opportunity. So we'll see. I don't think we're going to learn too much from preseason games on how they're going to be used interchangeably. If that is what the case is going to be. So there's a lot of risk with all these players. Um, I, I think just Cam's admitting, Hey, my body's just not holding up like it once was. And that we've seen this the last four or five years. So I think that he will be used like a battering ram. I'm sorry, Cam, but maybe this is a, a little glimpse into him saying, yeah, I can't do this for 17 games. It's it's still his best moments of last season were when he was a battering ram. He's still a great battering ram. I mean, he's <laughs> yes. still really good at that. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I'm with you, though. This is a news nugget that we're not going to see either be fact or fiction until week one. And they're inside the five yard line and Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, you know, it's third and one. And then Cam is going to have to prove that. But we also could see in that meantime, Hayden, that Mac Jones just completely throw the football better, better than Cam. And quickly, you said that Damian Harris has to be the goal line back to payoff. I completely disagree. I mean, he's going as running back 29 still. That's after the likes of Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Miles Gaskin, Trey Sermon, Chase Edmonds. Are we sure all those guys are, are goal line backs? Well, they're pass catching backs if they're not the goal line back. And that's what we can't project with Damian Harris. I will say, if James White gets hurt, Damian Harris is capable of catching passes. Like, this, is, this is something that I haven't seen before. I mean, Damian Harris was a three-down guy at Alabama. There's nothing about his game that I say he can't catch passes. If James White got hurt for some reason, I think that Damian Harris has some uh, some ceiling here to chase. I do think that he could catch passes if, if 
the depth chart changes. Yeah, and go back 365 days ago. Go check out 32 Beat Riders Twitter feed or go to over at NBC Sports Edge. I mean, it was Roto World back then, but NBC Sports Edge now. And uh, you'll see that everyone said after Julian Edelman, Damian Harris was the leading target getter in every single practice. He has this in his portfolio. He just hasn't shown it very much. Again, I think that among the entire running back spectrum this year, running behind a top five offensive line, going to be top five in run plays this season. Damian Harris at running back 29 is criminal. And someone, if you are, if you are drafting running backs in that zone, in that area, he's on every single one of my rosters. If I'm building it in that way. All right. Beat rider stuff. Hey, the Bengals offense has looked bad in training camp. I feel like if this was just one person saying this on one occasion during one practice, Hayden, you would not have mentioned it. But it seems like every single Bengals beat writer is saying the same thing day after day, practice after practice. Time to be concerned. It's not just the like amount of beat reporters saying this. It's the fact that Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd and some of the other players are saying that Joe Burrow isn't trusting his knee. And like now they're doing drills to like specifically help Joe Burrow in the pocket and he's admitted this himself and that's the concern I have with Joe Burrow and these all the Bengals pass catchers they're being priced as if like what happened last year and their neutral pass rates are going to stay the same what if the Bengals are like look we have a franchise quarterback we're not competing for the division this year what if we said maybe we'll be 10th in neutral pass rate and that's where the uh what wide receiver 22 price tag for Jamar Chase the wide receiver what 25 or 26 price tag for T Higgins, it's going to be hard for those guys to pay off unless the Bengals are super pass heavy. We'll see. I don't think it's time to panic. I just think this is a reminder. These are huge injuries. And Joe Burrow tore his ACL what week 10 or week 11. And it wasn't just the ACL. It was, I think it was also the MCL. So it wasn't just a, 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 a pure ACL injury. That's already bad enough. It was multiple uh, ligaments and it happened in week 11. So this isn't that surprising to me. Yeah, and it's not like he's going to be seated behind the Saints offensive line or the Patriots offensive line or one of the great ones. It's it's going to be a bottom three or five unit unless something has drastically changed uh, in Bengals camp this offseason. I just want to reiterate the points that you made. Joe Burrow is being drafted as the quarterback 10 ahead of Tom Brady, ahead of Matthew Stafford. His pass catching weapons and Jamar Chase is going as the earliest rookie ever at the position at wide receiver 21. T. Higgins, one spot later than that, at wide receiver 22. And then Tyler Boyd down at wide receiver 37. The price you are paying right now is that this is a locked-in top 10 offense with a high neutral pass rate. I can't get there. And I do want some investment, though, because I don't think this offense is going to totally tank for a multitude of reasons. Negative game script, a pass-happy offensive coordinator, a lot of good weapons. They're going to be down the scoreboard, so on and so forth. So if I am investing, the ceiling might not be there in comparison to some of the other names, Hayden, but I'm I'm starting to drift towards and have been Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 37, but I know you might have a different opinion. The one thing I, I always struggle with when there's like three nice pass catchers, what if one of them gets injured? Now all of a sudden you're having this massive target share just c- confined to two pass catchers. Yeah. So that's why I don't want to completely tank any of these guys because if Tyler Boyd misses time, then Jamar Chase and T Higgins are looking really nice. And that's kind of hard to quantify. But I think in, in like Best Ball Mania 2, when we're trying to come in first out of 150,000 people, you kind of have to play these games. Like what happens if an injury happens to one of the two? So I don't want to completely tank any of these guys. I think the Bengals offense will be fine. I just don't want to project Joe Burrow scrambling as much as he did. 
And I think that they're going to try to hide him, use Joe Mixon more. I mean, remember, guys, they're paying Joe Mixon a ton, a ton of money. And everything coming out of camp is it's still positive there about Joe Mixon. He looks nice. Uh, they want to keep him on all three downs, that type of stuff, too. So I think Joe Mixon is my favorite of the three, which sounds nuts. But I think that Joe Mixon in like the second round is probably my favorite value among the, the Bengals guys. I'm just trying to do some quick math on the sideline here with with ADPs. The only wide receiver trio that's being drafted ahead of the Bengals is the Cowboys. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a lot of investment for a team that we are just projecting to be good, you know? Yeah. So it's just why I can't get there. It's why I can't get there right now. All right, running backs, before we get there, Hayden, just a little quick refresh here. Everyone, thank you for being here. Again, if you are drafting now, if you're drafting the next week, the next three weeks, go and check out our free draft guide, which is down below. It's a cheat sheet. It has positional rankings. It has Hayden's must-have players, my must-haves, ones we are avoiding as well. Um, also has our, our ideal drafts. So uh, one round through 18th round structures, some guidance, some summaries as there as well. So go down and check that out. Also want to say, appreciate your being here. Hayden and I are here Monday through Thursday, plus a few more shows here and there during the preseason. Like and subscribe below. We appreciate you were this close to 3,000 subs. So the more the merrier of the people who can help us get there. All right, Hayden, let's now jump. Go ahead. Uh, real quick, if you're new to best ball in the draft guide below, we have a what is best ball tips to win in best ball. Yeah, that as well. So I know a lot of people are here for the redraft stuff. That's awesome. Go try best ball. It's a new game. You don't have to uh, do anything with your roster in the middle of the season. If you want to add three or four more games or more teams to your portfolio, go for it. It's not going to clog up your Tuesday in the middle of the season. So uh, in the draft kit, we explain what is best ball. We explain some of these other things too. Try it once and you'll keep going. I promise. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. All right, here we go with running backs. Uh, a little news this morning too, Hayden. Hopefully you can hop in here with it. Joe Judge, Giants head coach, is focused on, quote, the long-term vision for Saquon Barkley, who's obviously coming off um, a serious knee injury and knee surgery. Hayden, I believe this morning he was activated to the active roster, so hopefully we can see him back on an NFL practice field very soon. Joe Judge said the goal is to get him out there and keep him out there. So I think that today's news of Saquon Barkley being at practice doesn't really change things for me. Currently, right now, in my head, I'm projecting Saquon Barkley to start in either week two or week three. And I think that there was a little bit of a delay here because he didn't practice for the first two weeks of training camp. So I don't think that this uh, today's news makes Saquon Barkley a lock to play week one. I also don't think that it makes... Saquon Barkley a lock to miss games either this is very much up in the air but if I were the Giants you've invested this much amount of money and resources into Saquon Barkley why not make it one or two extra games into the season uh, I, I can see them just taking it very easy and even if he starts week one I can see them giving him 14 touches instead of like the 22 touches that he usually sees uh, Saquon Barkley needs to be the Giants guy for the long term rushing them back in week one would be a disservice. And Devontae Booker, the running back insurance on the Giants, the number two ball carrier, needs to be drafted ahead of running back 59, where he's going right now. Um, he needs to be closer probably to like the Rashad Penny, Darrington Evans area, right? Hayden of running back 52, running back 54. They paid Devontae Booker. They gave him a two-year contract with some guaranteed money there. So I think that he is the number two. There's been some buzz that Corey Clement is kind of pushing Devontae Booker for the number two spot. 
but they followed the money. I'll, I'll trust the yeah. money over the training camp reports. There was also a period of time before this news came out, Hayden, where Saquon Barkley, when it was all negative, this is how the trends work with ADPs, uh, he was being selected around like pick 14, pick 15, pick 13, like right at the top of round two. Again, I think the reaction Hayden is now going to cement Saquon Barkley is probably a top 10, top 11 pick now. So I know that's just a few spots. That's a big difference between the end of the first round and the beginning of the second round. I, I won't be buying there. I think that he's a second either. pick right now. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm just saying what I think the public is going to do. But I agree. Again, I agree with you. We, we have three or four more weeks of this. All right. We had football last Thursday, the Hall of Fame game. Maybe we can give a few more details and, and thoughts on that game at the end of this one, Hayden. But Najee Harris, obviously the first-round pick from the Steelers last April, played 18 of 18 snaps with the Stars in the Hall of Fame game. One, great. We know he's a starter. Knew that already once they spit a first-round pick on him. Two, Hayden, shocked he played 18 snaps. But yeah. we got to see a, a, a few different layers and, and elements to his game. And even as odd as it sounds, I love just seeing rookies and their size and their speed and their movement um, when comparing them to actual NFL players in the field versus obviously running with a whole bunch of Alabama guys and SEC players in the field in college. Even if it's a really bad offensive line, even if Big Ben looks bad, if he's going to get this workload – I mean, how does he not pay off the late second round price tag? I, I get if yeah. you want to do the the wide receiver over Najee Harris argument, but at some point, if he's going to get 300 touches, it's going to be hard for him to fail. I mean, he's basically too big to fail, like physically and this workload. We, right we now, said that I said that about the passing game last year too on the Steelers. Well, I mean, you weren't you weren't wrong either. No. Look, look at all those guys, uh, like Chase Claypool and Deontay and Juju were all top 30 five receivers throughout the entire season. So yep. um, I think this can be a pretty similar thing with Najee Harris. I think there's a lot fewer questions about Najee Harris's workload than some of the running backs being drafted ahead of him. Um, I think that he belongs in the tier of like Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and Antonio Gibson and those type of people. This workload is going to be ginormous. All right. Uh, I want you to roast my rankings here, Hayden, because you know this we're, we're in the same Google doc over here. Um, I've had Najee Harris at kind of the end of all of the running backs for this entire process. So far, and, and that might change. Again, I'm very open to new information and new evaluations and things like that as we go through through training camp. But I've had, had him after Antonio Gibson, had him after CH. Um, starting to think, Hayden, and this would be a huge reaction to the Jonathan Taylor news with um, obviously offensive line injuries, with Quentin Nelson quarterback injury as well. Would you now thrust Najee Harris ahead of Jonathan Taylor? They're close. That's really close. I think that Jonathan Taylor is the better player between the two, but I think that Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor's um, kind of situations are pretty similar. We have quarterback questions right now. We have some offensive line questions for the Colts, especially on the left side with the left guard and left tackle, probably not starting the season on time, but Najee Harris plays passing down. Jonathan Taylor's not going to do that for right now. So I do think that they, they, they deserve to be pretty close in ADP. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. And I think the points that you're making here, because, I think Najee Harris is probably going to get more carries than CEH, maybe equal receptions and targets, um, but CEH is going to be in a much better offense. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you just mentioned, isn't going to see as many passing, much passing down work as Najee Harris. But then you have like Nick Chubb, who's being drafted, obviously, at like 14 overall compared to Najee at, at 22 overall. We expect Najee to have so much more, you know, pass catching opportunities than Nick Chubb, but then we also expect. You know, Nick Chubb's just offensive efficiency running the game, running the football far exceeds Najee. So this is like the small little 
discussions and conundrums that we have in our head when coming up these rankings in the top 24, which is absolutely meaningful because we want to nail all those. And I didn't even mention, and you briefly did, all the wide receivers that are bankable in that area in comparison to running backs that, you know, they might be drafted as the running back five, but finish as the running back 15 in fantasy points per game. The difference between like the RB5 and the RB14 right now is pretty small. Like right. it's hard it's hard to distinguish between all of these guys. They all seem like they're pretty bankable uh, borderline RB1s, but we know a couple of them will get injured, a couple of them will bust, and then a couple of them will really rise to the top. Najee Harris could easily be one of those guys that becomes a first-round pick next year. You just have to be buying into Big Ben, which I'm kind of, I don't know, don't want to do that. That is absolutely fair. That's a fair stance to have. Hey, again, this week, Wednesday, quarterback ranking show, Thursday, tight end ranking show. The next we're going to circle back with running back and wide receivers and the way to be caught up on all that is to like and subscribe below. We're here four times a week at least. And actually, a live watch along this Saturday for like seven preseason games at night that are going to be rolling on. Uh, Hayden and I will be reacting to player performances, news, usage, talking with you, answering your questions, just having some good old-fashioned conversation with the community. Uh, we'll give you a time later on, but just expect Eastern time Saturday night for a whole bunch of goodness of preseason action because it's back, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's keep it rolling here at the running back spot. A a whole bunch of rookie names. We just hit on Najee Harris's one. Let's rifle through these. Hayden, Trey Sermon continues to get some first-team reps. I know you're the king of the Trey Sermon fan club, Hayden. I don't understand why this is included in here because I think he was always going to get some first-team reps because he and Raheem Mostert kind of offer two different things, and they're going to split those. This is just a reminder. Trey Sermon's going to be good. Just, this is just a reminder. Do not sleep on Trey Sermon, guys. All right, we can go to the next one. This is this is true. We already knew Trey Sermon was a starter. <laughs> next. All right. Michael Carter is a quote unquote step above the rest of the Jets running backs. This comes from the Athletics Connor Hughes. Michael Carter is also getting first team reps. And we kind of also knew this as well. I view him as the 1A in a committee and in an inevitable committee here. The, the thing with Michael Carter, which I, I'm struggling with, he's 5'10", he's 199 yep. pounds. Here were, her, here were his touch totals in college, 108, 109, 198, 191. But notice, that was not a lot of 200s and 300s. That was a lot of 100s. So that's the one thing where, okay, we know Michael Carter is going to be a starter. I think he's going to lead this backfield in pa- passing downs. He might even lead them in carries. But to what, expect, to what extent and then how much does that actually matter in half PPR best ball on probably a bottom 10 offense? So I think he will be a starter. How much does that matter? That's the thing I'm, I'm struggling with. Yeah, you're getting the starter, though, at running back 31. That ADP, though, has continued to climb. Like right when we put out our rankings, Hayden, I had him as running back 29, which is pretty far ahead of his positional ranking. And that's, you know, again, started to creep up there a little more. And now he's going ahead obviously, of of James Robinson, of, of Ronald Jones, and those names. And I think, Hayden, it's because we all like to dip our toe, once again, into the unknown and, and getting these rookies. And he's the last one of that group. I mean, we know Najee Harris is going as running back 13. ETN and Javante Williams are 23 and 24. We just talked about Trey Sermon as running back 27. So you get a little bit of that rookie running back magic, possibly, here with Michael Carter. But again, I do want to bring up with the 49ers, this is going to be a, a similar offense, obviously, with the younger LaFour, or the brother LaFour. I don't know if know if he's actually younger um I, I do wonder the weights of like Raheem Mostert I wonder the weights of like a Matt Breida you know in the past and M- Michael Carter this is a player who was drafted what is the running back five 
in this year's draft. And that lasted all the way until the fourth round. But if you go and watch back on the, the Jets, like confidential, like behind the scenes stuff, if they had a third round pick that they didn't trade in the Elijah Vera Tucker deal, they were going to take him in round three. So this is a, a player that the, the Jets absolutely loved. And he's one among a, no, a number of them that I cannot wait to see just how he looks and how he runs during these three preseason games coming up. That's what makes it so tricky because Michael Carter's tape was actually good between the tackles too. Great vision, great burst, and he was good running between the tackles. They just didn't give him a lot of carries, and I wonder if the Jets are kind of going to pigeonhole him as this committee back only, even though he's going to be a good committee back just because he's tiny and like he didn't do this in, in college. You know, We see this all the time. Chance that that offensive line is a top half of the NFL too, Hayden. I mean, Makai Becton could be among listed among the elite left tackles in the league very soon. If, look, we can never consider offensive line selections to be safe, but AVT moving up for him. And then you have spent a bunch of money at center, right guard, right tackle, things like that. Who knows? Again, this is one to monitor as we move on. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, who was a favorite of many on football Twitter prior to the draft, uh, dropped like an anchor during the actual NFL draft. And Hayden, a lot of people assume that he might take on the Naheem, Naeem Hines role in Nick Sirianni's offense. Uh, kind of sounds like that's Boston Scott. It does seem like it's Boston Scott. All the reports, and if you look at the, the running back drills in training camp, Boston Scott is the two. And there's even some projections that carry on Johnson could be the three, and then Kenny Gainwell is the number four. We'll have to see if Kenny Gainwell is going to play special teams. I think there's a lot of hills to climb here for Kenny Gainwell to be fantasy football relevant because even if he is, let's say, in the Naeem Hines role, how often is Jalen Hurts going to throw screens to, to the running backs? Yeah. And we don't even know. Like, I'm not even convinced Kenny Gainwell's good. Like, talking about like the Trey Sermon tape and Michael Carter tape, I thought their tape was good. I didn't think Kenny Gainwell's tape was any good. I didn't even think that Ramondre Stevenson, who, who's up next on the docket, who's also disappointing in training camp, I don't even know if he's any good. So I think this is where like the bad running back class that we had this year comes oh, into yeah. play. I thought those top five guys were were legit good players. I think this next tier, the Kenny Gainwell, Ramondre Stevenson's, I didn't think that they were that great. I mean, our guy, Kenne Nwangwu, was the running back six in the NFL draft in the fourth round or the fifth round ahead of these guys, Hayden. And, yeah. you know, he played about 200 snaps his entire college career and was just a sick athlete. Look, Kenny Gainwell was like a far less athletic version than Austin Eckler, I thought, at Memphis in terms of being able to, like, catch passes and they even moved aesthetically similarly. But I think you just mentioned a really big point where it's going to be much different for a running back to catch passes from the likes of Phillip Rivers in that mold versus someone of Jalen Hurts' nature. And more than anything, I'm just completely out on Kenny Gainwell going as what, like the running back 58? We mentioned a whole bunch of backs that you need to be drafting over him, uh, including the Darrington Evans, including the Rashad Pennies, um, like uh, Devontae Booker, who we talked about. Hayden, like that. This is this is just an area where I'm I'm just out on Kenny Gainwell until he shows more during this preseason. Yep, and real quickly, the Patriots running backs close when asked about what Ramondre Stevenson needs to do in training camp. He needs to work on everything. That was his that was his quote. So Ramondre Stevenson's probably like right now, Josh. You got the one on one, and who's going to be in the healthy and actives week one list? Are you taking G Kenny Gainwell or Ramondre Stevenson or Javion Hawkins? Who, who's your favorite? I didn't dive through the history books of the Bill Belichick tenure, but this was expected. I think the only rookie running back ever to 
have significant playing time under Bill Belichick was Sony Michelle, who's drafted in round one. So yes. much more different draft capital with Ramondre Stevenson. But you go back, that was Damien Harris. That was Shane Vereen. Wasn't massive usage. Uh, Lawrence Maroney, I think, got some rookie year playing time. But that I, I think that this is just the path that Bill puts players on at that position. And everything that they are saying, it could not be more opposite the verbiage that Bill Belichick is using for Damien Harris versus Ramondre Stevenson right now yeah reminder stevenson was playing at the junior college right up the street from me like two two or three years ago like he's not he's not ready for nfl snaps yet okay you don't have to crush the guy while he's down okay before we move on to wide receivers again like and subscribe down below we truly appreciate it we're approaching three thousand. we want to get there as fast as possible and also go and check out our free draft guide down in the description we're giving you 25 bucks to download it and to read it, just use promo code the show. Skip the guacamole when you're at Chipotle. Put it in underdog. Use promo code the show again, and we'll put a free 25 bucks straight from Hayden's pocket into your account. All right, let's get through these wide receivers. Hayden, Justin Jefferson, I believe this happened in practice, fell down, hurt AC joint. Luckily, he avoided major injury, but Hayden, it seems like he's going to miss at least a few weeks of training camp. We might not see him until week one. Possibly. I think this was going to be a grade one AC joint sprain, which is kind of like a one to two, maybe three week injury. This shouldn't affect his week one status. Obviously, there's going to be some re-injury risk. I had him as my 20th ranked player overall before this. I moved him down to like 24th. I still want Justin Jefferson on my team. I think that ADP will drop a little bit more and then I can just get him at the the two, three turn. Um, but I think he belongs right next to AJ Brown, those type of guys. I even think that he belongs right next to DeAndre Hopkins. Justin Jefferson was so good. Nothing about this offense has changed. Maybe their offensive line is actually better than it ever has been uh, under this current regime. And Justin Jefferson is just so nasty. So I, I want to be overweight even with the injury. Yeah. So after obviously that top five of Tyreek, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Nuke, and Calvin Ridley, there was kind of a tear break. And DK Metcalf right now in drafts at 20 overall is going by himself. Then there was another little tear break with tight ends and running backs. And then it was AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, and Keenan Allen, followed by George Kittle. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Justin Jefferson then fall into the grouping of C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, and Amari Cooper, based on the things. You have to draft him there. I mean, you yeah. have to draft him there. He's he's so good. And nothing about this offense has changed at all. Like, right. Justin Jefferson, you want Justin Jefferson. I don't care what the price is. Devontae Smith, a knee injury, will miss two to three weeks of training camp. Hayden, I missed this one. I was probably on my seventh glass of rosé once this one hit my news feed. Um, I feel like there were some really positive notes of Devontae Smith prior to this. Uh, Hayden, I did see the picture. If you can scroll to the top of of this, this picture, that's – I mean, it makes me laugh. It, you know, not not to get on the guy. Hayden, but there was a lot of news and and just conversation around Devontae Smith's weight. I mean, that's like me when I'm seven years old trying to wear a large T-shirt. <laughs> I just I gotta say, but you didn't have the routes and the savviness and the the football IQ of a Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith was so awesome before he got hurt. He was just taking the number one wide receiver reps as a rookie. Just walked in straight to the front of the line of the wide receiver reps and was being the number one receiver. Uh, this is a true alpha. He's I. His ADP is dropping. I want to be continuing to buy Devonta Smith 
these like small MCL injuries aren't great, but they're not the worst thing in the world. Um, and I'm not concerned about Devonta Smith missing time. I know he's a rookie. I knew it's a new offense, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Devonta Smith was so tough at Alabama. He gets four years under Nick Saban. He's ready. Like this guy doesn't need the training camp, like compared to some of the other rookies. I, I just felt compelled to say that, but also Hayden, we talked about pre-draft and we'll talk about post-draft right now that he played bigger than so many oh, yeah. other wide receivers. I mean, longer contested catches. They were fantastic. He even fought for yards with the ball in his hands. He's in this interesting grouping. And I'm trying to find it right now. He's still going after Cortland Sutton, which I think that's going to change, but he's right in line with Jerry Judy. Depending on this news, I can see Jerry Judy going ahead of him, but I, I you know, I want him ahead of DJ Chark. I want him ahead of Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd, LaVisca Chenault, Mike Williams. I'm with you. I think people in their brains are thinking that the Eagles are going to be bottom five in pass attempts. What if they're not? What if they're bottom 10 middle half of the league and Devontae Smith is easily like walking right in to being the number one target getter on that team. Uh, maybe this news just decreases his price, as you're saying, and that would just make me want to invest even more. I think he's really, really, really good. Me too. Really good at football. So, I, yeah, I want to be buying that. Me too. DJ Chark has minor surgery on his finger. Uh, Hayden, bold prediction show. You can check out the clip also down below on the channel. Marvin Jones at like wide receiver 57 is being drafted like he's a distant third option next to G.J. Chark, who's a complete unknown. This doesn't help that. Next to, again, LaVisca Chenault, who is a complete unknown. Only had one 1,000-yard season in his career, and that was his sophomore year of college. Uh, this continues to make me want to invest, invest, invest in Marvin Jones. Their ADPs are going to for sure tighten here. DJ Chark got a little metal plate in his finger. Uh, I don't know which finger it is. They said he's going to be ready for week one. Like that seems to be like pretty optimistic. I, I, I'm not a doctor, but putting a plate in your finger and you're being an NFL wide receiver within a month, that seems like you're kind of playing with fire here. And we saw that Urban Meyer was really paying a lot of attention to DJ Chark all throughout this offseason, like really working with him. I'm not sure if that's like a good thing or a bad thing, but I do think that Marvin Jones is continually slept on and I think that LaVisca Chenault, his ADP is going to continue to climb here. I think by the end of uh, best ball season, LaVisca Chenault is going to be drafted way ahead of Chark and Jones. And maybe that's accurate, but I think that Marvin Jones is the one, like you said. I think that his ADP deserves a one-round bump. He's really good, and I think that he's going to be a perfect fit for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you and I are both well ahead of ADP again. I don't expect there to be like one 1300 yard receiver on the team and said they share the wealth. And I think Marvin Jones can easily lead them in touchdowns. Just the verbiage once again, that that urban Meyer was using of, of Chark is a big wide receiver who played small, few wide receivers play bigger in the NFL than Marvin Jones. Next up, Will Fuller, another player I've been talking about all off season, despite him not practicing with his new team. He's going as wide receiver 43. Hayden, he hasn't practiced since the first day of training camp. I will say I believe Dolphins beat writers have said there's no brace. There's no cast on his foot. He's out there just observing every single practice. We're not going to know when he's going to return to practice until he's just back at practice. And you also want to throw in that he's not going to play in week one anyways. Yeah, that is true. I didn't think about that. Uh, I want to group all these guys in, in together. Will Fuller hasn't practiced. Marquise Brown is kind of week to week. Um, Curtis Samuel doesn't have a timeline to return either. So I think all these guys are probably going to play week one or Will Fuller in week two. Uh, but these are Marquise Brown, Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller. These are names to keep an eye on. These guys have had some injuries 
uh, in the past before. So this isn't that big of a surprise. Maybe drop him a couple spots. Um, I think that Curtis Samuel and Will Fuller are two guys we want to be higher on. Yes. Like just in the vacuum for sure. Um, because they're really good when they're healthy. Yeah, they're all around each other in ADP two. Curtis Samuel's wide receiver 42. Will Fuller is wide receiver 43. And Marquise Brown is wide receiver 45. Those first names in Samuel and Fuller, I'm going to keep drafting them all the time. Yeah. Uh, especially Curtis Samuel. He's someone who already knows this offense. And I, I try and remember in my brain, there's a lot going on in there. But I feel like he's missed time in camps before. And he just is going to have a role that is going to have important uh, opportunities on this team. It's not just going to be those short patterns that he takes the ball and runs with them. There's going to be some of those, but a lot of it's going to be down the field too. So I'm, I'm not going to be scared everyone else because he's going to fall based on this news a little bit. Keep going in, especially in that area. It's your wide receiver four, wide receiver five on your team. I, I don't when, see the loss here with this injury. It made me go back to watch some Diami Brown. Okay. His stuff is so good. Diami Brown's as he's, I think he's a legit, best ball dart throw in the lot of rounds. He apparently is, is impressing with his route running uh, on intermediate stuff. And that was kind of the big knock on him. So we'll see in preseason, this is training camp stuff where you don't want to go overboard with, but I think that Diane Brown is like a legit good prospect and he's at least healthy and he's at least doing some good stuff in training camp. But to me, Deami Brown's involvement wouldn't push Curtis Samuel off the field because no, yeah, of course not. Right. Because if, Deami Brown is good enough, they think, to start, and they want their best three pass catchers out there in 11 personnel, they, then they would just move Curtis Samuel to the slot. I think how it is right now, if they could like have their ideal personnel, it would be Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and then Adam Humphreys in the slot, along with Logan Thomas. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's apparently the one who caped for Adam Humphreys, by the way. Hayden, did you read that? Uh, I saw that they had some c- connection, but I, I do want to note that was without Curtis Samuel on the field here. So uh, yeah. fade, fade the noise when it comes to Adam Humphreys by Diami Brown, a legit stud NFL player. Uh, there was also a tweet this weekend of, I think, John Gruden or someone along the lines saying the sideline of the Las Vegas Raiders practice saying that Brian Edwards looks like Terrell Owens. Uh, and then I think the team site writer said he looks more like Randy Moss. Yep. Huge second-year jump coming for Brian Edwards, apparently, Hayden. Hall He's of Fame caliber, a, apparently. Hall of Fame player, if you haven't been reading the news. For the second offseason in a row, we had these reports last year, too. Uh, all jokes aside, there was some actual news here. Brian Edwards seems like he's going to be start the starting X receiver. He's been running ahead of John Brown. I think that John Brown's going to kind of mix in the offense a little bit here and there. But I think now I'm for sure ranking Brian Edwards well ahead of John Brown. I dropped John Brown in my next update for the rankings. And I think that Brian Edwards deserves some love. He was not a bad prospect coming out. If the training camp reports are good and he's starting, I think that his price tag right now on, on underdog fantasy makes some sense. I think it's going to be Brian Edwards, uh, Henry Ruggs as like kind of the deep thread at Z, which I don't love that for him. And then Hunter Renfro battling things out in the slot with John Brown kind of mixing it after. I'm throwing this on you, but can we pivot over to Darren Waller here too? Yeah. Who's missed like a handful of practices like no one seems to know why at all and it kind of feels like Hayden that either we react to a total unknown and uncertainty or keep drafting him at like the end of round two early round three and just hope that this is something that's not going to be a big deal and only matters right now because it's just news in the second week of preseason camp I did I didn't include that in here only because I also saw some reports that Darren Waller is like working out in the building so, like, I can only see this being so bad if he's, like, lifting weights and all that stuff. So, we'll see. They might just be, like, working or limiting yeah. his reps here. So, uh, if he's still not practicing, we'll talk about him next week. 
big difference of that happening now versus, I don't know, August 27th, September right. 5th, you know? Amon Ross St. Brown, rookie, USC, Trojans, whatever it is, uh, is the Lions slot wide receiver. Hayden, he always reminded me of like a less athletic version of Sterling Shepard. How much should we care about the Detroit Lions slot wide receiver this year? <laughs> a lot. Uh, the, basically, the, the three receiver sets could be Brashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown. We were already projecting this. This is more just confirmation. Uh, I think that they're well ahead of the Khalif Raymonds and like the Quintez Cephas's. I think it's going to be these three guys. We don't know who's going to lead this team in targets. I'm guessing it's going to be TJ Hawkinson and then like DeAndre Swift. But at least in Monroe St. Brown, we have confirmation. If you're looking for a 17th round guy in best ball, he's at least going to be on the field. This better be a top five, top three offensive line because that's how this team is going to even put up 15, 16 points a game. I think it has to be. It has to be for Jared Goff to be able to manufacture some sort of offense with Anthony Lynn. Um, especially last year, Hayden, when we looked at Anthony Lynn, and I understand that they had you know different play callers at times during the year too, but it was so much off-script goodness from Justin Herbert against pressure. If you put Jared Goff in that same exact situation, sure, the offensive line talents were totally different. No one is worse from clean pockets to pressure pockets than Jared Goff. All right, Marquez Callaway, we're still searching – for someone and positivity in that Saints passing group right now. Apparently, Marquez Callaway has been the, quote, top dog in training camp. Hayden, what'd you pick up from this? Well, there's some other news with Michael Thomas. Like, it seems like the Saints and Michael Thomas are, like, actually kind of feuding here. And we saw some things where, uh, basically, uh, Michael Thomas was ghosting the Saints for, like, three months. Like, And there's been some other things. Like, there was that suspension from last year so. Uh, something to watch out with Michael Thomas. That's why Michael Thomas is on my fade list and why I included Marquez Callaway in my ideal draft in the draft guide. I think that Marquez Callaway can easily be better than Traquan Smith. Like we've seen Traquan Smith in this kind of role before, and he's done basically nothing with it. Marquez Callaway could be kind of that deep threat, jump ball, more physical guy compared to Traquan Smith. And I think that he's an awesome value where he's being drafted at. Wide receiver 82 right now. That's right after MVS, who was wide receiver 80. Tyrell Williams, you mentioned Dayami Brown. Uh, I can keep going on and on with a few names there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's worth a shot. If I have no idea. I have no clue what to do with the Saints team. And Hayden, that uncertainty is making me drop Alvin Kamara, like not on a daily basis, but just a little bit more each time when I look at this running back spot and the Saints overall, because while I believe in the offensive line, while I believe in Sean Payton, I just need a little more, man. I need I need something to latch on to here. If Taysom, Taysom uh, Hill is starting, he's going to give Kamara so many screens. Like I know they didn't do it last year, but they have a full yeah. offseason to work on that. I'm not concerned about Kamara. All right, a couple more here. Chase Claypool played in 12 personnel in the Hall of Fame game. We talked about the Steelers a little bit earlier uh, with Najee Harris. This is important. Hayden, when you just like zoom out, and look at the wide receiver position as a whole. We've seen athletic phenoms come into the league and make huge second-year jumps in A.J. Brown, in D.K. Metcalf. I would nominate Chase Claypool's name immediately to be the next one of that list. He has it all. I mean, if you spent five minutes watching that Hall of Fame game, you would be noticing that Chase Claypool is making plays all across the field. I know he left in, uh, early, but I think that he's totally fine. 
And the, the big the big nugget here was him playing in 12 personnel. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster was not playing, so this is something that we still have to watch for. But this is huge because the Steelers are going to play in 12 personnel more often because they just drafted that second tight end here, and they want to run the ball more. And last year, Chase Claypool played three snaps, three snaps in 12 personnel. That was behind basically everybody, including like the, the backup running backs and all that stuff. He was not playing in these situations if Claypool is going to take that big leap, he has to be there in 12 personnel. Uh, we don't know if that means that Chase Claypool, Juju, or Deontay is coming off the field. Right. But if I were running the team, Chase Claypool would not be coming off the field. I mean, he looked so good in the Hall of Fame game. I think that he's a ascending player for sure. Uh, I hear you. I mean, he is athletically dominant in one-on-ones down the field. You can get him on drag routes, crossing routes, and allow him to win after catch because – Notre Dame did that all the time, and he just rumbles with the ball in his hands. And they even manufacture touches for him, which probably will go down with the addition of Najee Harris. But that's always in your your back pocket with Chase Claypool. He has it all, and he's going as wide receiver 28. Uh, meanwhile, Deontay Johnson is going as wide receiver 24, and Juju is at wide receiver 40. If we're talking about ceiling and not just volume alone, Chase Claypool is the one that I'm drafting over all those guys and want – just in comparison to where they're going in drafts, Chase Claypool is the one that I want. Last year for all the crap Chase Claypool got versus man coverage, he finished seventh in the NFL in yards per route run versus man coverage, seventh. So as an unpolished guy that people had a lot of questions and wanted to play him at tight end in the NFL, so finishing seventh in yards per route run because he's just so athletically dominant. If he can clean up some of that route running stuff that people were, were giving him crap for, I mean, really look out. Let's close with another big-bodied wide receiver in rookie Nico Collins has seen, quote, plenty of first-team reps. Hayden, you know I am out completely on Brandon Cooks, where he is going in drafts uh, as wide receiver 44. That doesn't mean I'm out on where Nico Collins is going on drafts, because Hayden, when we look at, you know, rounds 13 through 18 selections, having a rookie who is an unknown with big body, athleticism, power five program checks all those boxes as someone who can at least have spike weeks for us. One of my favorite notes from the NFL draft was the Texans gave up, I believe the second most capital for a third round trade in like NFL history. I mean, they gave up like multiple uh, day three picks and a third round pick to move up a couple spots to draft Nico Collins. And they didn't even have a lot of draft capital in the first place. Like the Texans just went all in on Nico Collins I think they want to play him with the new coach, this, the new regime. They're constantly flipping over players. So I, I'm not sure if Nico Collins is going to play week one as a starter, but, but by like week eight, week nine, I think that he'll probably be uh, one of the two outside starting receivers. It might be like uh, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, and then Anthony Miller versus Kiki Kute in the slot. Yeah. Um, I don't want those guys. I'll roll the dice on Nico Collins. He, at least he has power five pedigree. He has some size. He has some athleticism. I know the production wasn't there. But Michigan's offense was brutal. Yeah, neither of us are predicting this. But again, Brandon Cooks is going as wide receiver 44. Nico Collins is going as wide receiver 92. You could fast forward in an alternate timeline in the final eight, six, four weeks of the season. Nico Collins could have more startable weeks than Brandon Cooks in that area. You know, and you're getting him at a 50-point difference possibly at the wide receiver spot. That's I do not condone this. I do not, for the record, I do not condone this. But with that said, Nico Collins needs what three games with seventy That's yards it. and a touchdown. That's it. Like just three games. 
I think he has a chance to do that for sure. Or 40 yards and two touchdowns in one game. That's it. Projecting two touchdowns for the Texans in a game is something I'm not going to do. <laughs> That's enough. true. Especially in my bold prediction show when I said that they are going to average in the 13s this year. Uh, so that would be a record performance for them this year. I'm not going to touch this one. All right. Wrap it up then. <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, we appreciate you all tuning in. Um, again, go and check out our free draft guide down below. In fact, we're donating you 25 bucks to go and check it out. Down below, cheat sheets, positional rankings. Use promo code the show and get 25 bucks into your underdog account. We'll be back here tomorrow with a live draft. Actually, with last year's best ball mania winner, Justin Herzig. Cannot wait to have that show. And also back here on Wednesday and Thursday, quarterback rankings, tight end rankings. Wonderful time of year, and make sure to mark your calendars and keep it in your mind on Saturday, a live watch-along for so much preseason game goodness. So, for Hayden, I am Josh. Still up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya. (laughs) 